This episode is powered by denmeditation.com with locations in Los Angeles that normalize meditation and make it available to all. The meditation is the primary focus. The bigger goal is for people to understand and love themselves, thus creating more harmony in the community at large. To find out more about Den Meditation's teacher training programs, retreats, and all things Den Meditation, go to denmeditation.com. Welcome to Den Talks. This is Tal Rabinowitz. I'm your host, and I'm the founder of Den Meditation. And today, we have a really cool guest. Her name is Connie Kaplan. She's written a couple books about dreams, and she's actually doing a workshop here this Saturday, the 23rd, at Studio City at 7.30 p.m. And the reason I'm starting with that is because you are going to want to be there. She has such a fascinating take on dreams. We talk a lot about how dreams are really connecting you to the greater consciousness, the greater soul. God, if you will, or universe, whatever it is you call it, that is actually what your dream state is. And that every single person, every single night is connecting to that and receiving messages and energy and getting to play around in that space. The thing is whether you can remember it, how you remember it, and what it actually means. We also get into, it's not even that straightforward, how the moon is aligned with different planets, how it's aligned with different astrological signs. And also if you're a woman, where you are on your cycle also is what the translation of your dreams is. So there's all this fascinating information we talk about. We get into it. It gets kind of really weird and heady and awesome. And I think you guys are all going to love this conversation. I know every single one of you is going to want to start to chart your dreams. And you can go to her website, which is turtledreamers.com. And she has a whole journal already set up for you with the moon signs already there, the astrological signs, like no work for you, except literally putting in your dreams. You're going to love it. Can't wait to see you at the workshop this weekend. She's pretty amazing. I know we all care about dreams. I know we're always curious about them. So that's why we wanted to have this conversation. I really hope you enjoy it. So I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for coming. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I mean, we've been talking about getting someone on here to talk about dreams forever because obviously it's something we all do every single night. It's something that is a mystery to most people, yet dictates a lot of people's emotions in the mornings or how they feel. It's something that people feel like, you know, kind of can dictate their entire mood for a day sometimes. Like sometimes people get really nervous about their dreams. So it's just, I really wanted to talk to you about all of this stuff. And I feel like we all have it in common. There's, there's nobody who doesn't dream, right? Or is there? Well, there are people who don't remember their dreams. Right. But there is no one who, you, I mean, everyone who sleeps. Has dreams. anyone... Is there anyone who's ever just not remembered one single dream ever? Like I can see people who are like, I rarely remember dreams, but is can there be someone who actually just never remembers one dream ever, ever, ever? You know, I've, I haven't ever met that person, but I suppose there can be because remembering dreams is something of a habit. And if you don't have that habit, you know, if you... If you hit the ground running, if you use an alarm to wake yourself up and, you know, you're, you're in a rush all the time, and or if you're sleep deprived, if you're too tired, all the energy of sleep goes into body uh, rege- re- regeneration. That to me was one of the most surprising facts. Like when I read your book and I read um, the woman's book of dreams, I was like, that's so ironic to me that it's like, you can't dream because you're too tired. Mm-hmm. Which is fascinating because it's like, wait, isn't isn't dreaming what happens when you're so tired you fall asleep? You can dream. You just you don't remember. have the energy to remember the dream. And you have a whole thing about how you need energy in order to dream. Right, right. 
Which is fascinating. Yeah. And so what kind of energy, again, there's just a little bit of a duality there and a polarity of like, in order to go to sleep and sleep well and then master your dreams basically and use them to your benefit, which we'll get into all of that. We're kind of jumping forward a little bit. Um, you need energy. Well, let me describe how, um, how I was told to um, define dreaming. Yeah, please, because I love it. If we start there, you know, m- most of us have believed because of the work of Carl Jung and, and um, uh, Sigmund Freud that dreams are some kind of internal, personal, psychological thing. Uh, and when I was being taught about dreams, which I hope we'll get to later, yes. how I was being yes, taught about dreams. Yes, it's an incredible story. When I was being taught about dreams, I was told that what happens is your body goes into, you know, biological regeneration. And so your consciousness doesn't have to stay there paying attention to the body. The body's doing its own thing. Consciousness needs to go back to source or to the soul for regeneration. So consciousness starts making this journey back toward the soul. And I and I want to later define the soul because it's not your soul. It it's, is a, it's consciousness, you, yes, God, it's, yeah, universe, right. the one, however. Yeah, people, source, source. Source. Yep. Yeah. Okay, so your personal uh, attachment to consciousness is headed back to source for, you know, reconnection. And on that journey, it encounters all possibility. It encounters all kinds of energies, all kinds of things that are off world, you know, off planet and, and actually real. And there is an exchange of energy in that encounter. And so when you are on your way back into waking reality, your mental body writes a story about what happened. So that story is what you remember and what you call the dream, but what happened is what's really the dream. But in order to remember it, you create a metaphor. You write a story about it. And the reason it feels so personal and seems so personal is that you use your own experience to write the story, like any author does. You use your own lexicon of experiences and people and faces and ideas and and, uh, relationships. So... You write the story, and you remember the story, but it's really a metaphor for something that's going on in consciousness that is bigger than you. So that's why people get so shocked when I say, you know, your dreams aren't really about you. (laughs) No, but (laughs) People hate that. (laughs) I loved it. What I loved about that whole thing, and I want to dig into everything you just said, is, you know, especially when people talk about spiritual practice, as you do, and for you, this dreaming is a huge part of it. And what I love about what you just explained, that explains how it fits. That explains why dreaming is spiritual. It's not just something you're doing while you're taking care of your physical body. To me, that actually just opens up the door wide of like, that's everything. It's everything you're trying to do when you're meditating as well. I mean, when you're going past the meditating just to like reduce your anxiety, when you're actually trying to increase your vibration, it's all the same stuff. You're trying to connect to a bigger source. You're trying to connect to the purest form of you, which is connected to the universe. Right. So I loved that description and I thought it was really incredible. And that's, let me just say, Please. that's what I mean by the energy to dream. If you don't have the energy, if you are too tired to write a story, right? You've had yeah. the experience, but if you're too tired to 
bring it back across and write a story with your mental body because it's busy, you know, just trying to get enough rest to, to make it through the rest of the day. That's why you don't dream. And, I mean, that's why remember. you don't remember the dream. So a few things. It's like, so talk about that when you're remembering your dreams and you're saying we're taking what's happening out in consciousness and we're translating it for something that our body understands or we understand, but yet we don't always still understand it. It's like we're still almost too smart for ourselves. Like, <laughs> right. right? It's like our translation still needs to be decoded even though we're the ones putting the code on it. Right, right, exactly. Because what happened out there is bigger than ourselves, right? So we did the best we could to write the story. And then, yeah, we don't understand it. And that's why I encourage people to be in dream circles. Because if you try to understand your own dream, you're going to just make it about you. Right. And it's going to usually, in this culture especially, it's going to be about what's wrong with you. You know, something's something's crazy about me. Something's wrong with me, especially if you're a woman, because you've been told that since the get-go, you know? So if you interpret your own That's dream, so you yeah. are running the risk of really missing a great message because you're going to make it about you. Now, it doesn't mean the message isn't for you. Sometimes it is, but rarely. Do you think it's so? What do you think the messages usually are about? I mean, it, but expand on that. I'll just let okay. you talk. Okay. <laughs> I could put a bunch of weird words in your mouth, and it's not going to help anybody. <laughs> well, what we what what I was shown was that the um, the location of the moon is what's really important about in understanding and interpreting. The yes, dream. I want to get to that too. So just like when the moon pulls on the tides of the earth, the moon pulls on your tides, and especially when you lie down. Right. When you're on the horizontal plane, you're part of the crust of the earth, and your own tides are influenced by the location of the moon, what, you know, what astrological sign it's in, by the phase of the moon, and by how that relates to where the moon was when you were born. Right. So under different circumstances, the moon is going to put your consciousness in different pieces of the pie of, a, of you know, the astrological story, for lack of a better way to talk about it. So if the moon, for example, is aspecting um, um, cancer. Venus. Oh, Venus. Oh, well, okay, let's say the moon is in cancer. That's a good one because that's the home of the moon. And so you're going to get probably the most uh, expansive kinds of dreams when the moon is in Cancer because that is the moon's you know, primary location. But if the moon was in Cancer when you were born, it's going to be even bigger. That's going to be very, very important information for you. So, um, so then by that... So it's basically like everyone has an astrological chart that actually enhances dreams themselves, as well as just the chart that's kind of built in within our universe. With that, are there just certain people that are going to be prone, depending on their birth chart, to more either significant or expansive, I don't know what the right word would be, dreams than other people? Um, there probably are. Yeah, I think there are probably people who are um, particularly talented at dreaming. But mm, I'm not sure that you can necessarily just look at somebody's chart and say, ah, look at that. You right. are a talented dreamer. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what, what happens is when the moon is aspecting various parts of your natal chart, it's 
pulling on certain kinds of information. It's emphasizing certain kinds of information. So I describe it uh, in the Woman's Book of Dreams, and I don't know if you want to take the time to yeah, please. Like, go through a whole bunch of them. But well, at least some, because I do think it's... I, I found what was so interesting about it, like you said, is there's more behind what you're getting that's affected. And what I liked about it, which I want you to get into, is knowing what moon is aspecting what sign or what planet, because there's that aspect too, helps you also decipher and actually understand the dream. So I'd love for you at some point while you're going through this to talk about how one dream can be looked at one way, but if you actually knew the alignment of everything, you'd actually realize, no, 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 that dream is probably trying to tell you this, even though it seems like it's telling you this. I find that fascinating. So yes, dive in. Okay, so let me tell you this, this piece of the teaching. Neptune is the planet that is the farthest out in the solar system, unless you count Pluto, which some days it's a planet. I was like, I was like, sometimes we accept it, sometimes we don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And even Pluto, Pluto, by the way, (laughs) in my world, you're still a planet. Me too, because I was raised with it. So it's like always odd to me. I'm like, wait, what? It's like, you know, you get so stuck in your ways. At least I do. But even Pluto which is supposed to be the furthest one out, sometimes crosses over and is closer in than Neptune. So anyway, Neptune, way out there at the edge of the of the solar system, you can't see it with your naked eye. It's very dreamy. Right. right? And Neptune um, was named Neptune after the god of the sea, you know, the whole kind of underworld dreamy thing that the Earth is made up of mostly, right? So um, Neptune moves very, very slowly at the out there on the on the edge of the solar system. So when when you were in your mother's womb, it's entirely possible that Neptune already locked in to the exact placement that it was going to be in when you were born, right? So you started dreaming aside uh, aside from your mother, independently from your mother hmm. before you were born. As did a lot of other people. A lot of other babies were also in their mother's womb at that time. So you guys were like dreaming together, right? Yeah. And then even after you were born, Neptune may have still stayed in that same position for a while. So there were other babies still inside their mother's wombs, but you were outside your mother's wombs, but you were still dreaming with them. So there's this whole cluster of people that were born around the same time that you were. And you were all connected to the same path to the great dream, right? So when you give me a dream and I say, where was the moon when when you had that dream? If that moon was aspecting Neptune in some way, I'm going to say, no, 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 that was a, that's a collective dream. That's a much bigger story than the little one that you may have written. So you may have written a story about something that happened between you and your dad. And I'm going to say... I'm thinking that's not a psychological dream. I'm thinking that's a dream about the woman's relationship to the patriarchy or the woman's relationship to uh, authority. So your point being when the moon, because then the moon aspects, just like it aspects all the signs, it aspects all the planets at different times. So when the moon's aspecting Neptune and you're dreaming, no matter what it is in your dream, chances are you have to take 10 steps backwards and look at it from more of a collective global, universal perspective. Exactly. But, you know, then on the other end of that spectrum, let's say the moon was aspecting Mercury, which is much closer to the Earth. 
And Mercury dreams tend to be more about cognition, about the, the way your mind works, right? So if the moon was aspecting Mercury when you had that dream, I'm going to say it's possible that the, that the moon is telling you something or that the dream is telling you something about the way you interpret the world around you personally. It's, it doesn't mean that it's a bad thing. Right. It's giving you depth about the way you interpret information. But when you share that dream in a circle, it may be a dream that tells each person in that room something about the way she interprets the world around her. So um, this, yeah, this body of work really takes the, it's all about you, uh, out of it, <laughs> out of it. But but going back to that, what's interesting, it it takes it out of it with some of it. But the fact that you even describe it like you have your own signs, you have your your moon that you were born with, and that affects it. That still feels very much about you. Well, it puts it puts you in the um, uh, the dreamer's position. You know, like whenever you're having a dream, you always start with "I was." whatever right the, you're always viewing it through the dreamer's lens right and you're always writing the story through the dreamer's lens but just like when you read a good novel that may or may not have been about the author do you yeah. see what i mean the yeah, author yeah. the author takes a point of view the dreamer takes a point of view because you have a unique configuration of energy nobody else has your natal chart even somebody that was born you know, in the next room, there's going to be something different, a little bit different. Right. You have this unique configuration of energy, and so that gives you a unique lens. So your contribution to the world has to do with how you view the world and how you dream. Now, when you started getting into this, and which I want to tell your story because it's so interesting, but did were you already um, versed in, like, astrology and versed in... Was that, or is that something, what can't, what was first, the chicken or the egg? Yeah. No, I, it was like, um, you know, I'm a child of the 60s, so I was already <laughs> the, uh, hey, what's your sign yeah. kind of girl, right? And I knew what I thought I knew. I was going to say, but how much did you, like some yeah. of us say that, and then you know, like one line or maybe only four <laughs> signs. So like how much, oh, like, Scorpio, you, ooh. Right, yeah, we're not you allowed know. to date. <laughs> right. We hate each other. <laughs> yeah, that's about what I knew. Okay, so you were you were like a very, very average, per, like me. I mean, I really don't know much in that world. So, so actually, why don't you talk, I feel like this would be a good time to talk about how all of a sudden you became so in depth and this became your life's work. Um, I was... <clears throat> Got me all oh. choked up here. It is I was uh, I was working in the television industry, and um, I was I loved my job. I loved my work. I was just the happiest camper, and I was married, and I had a daughter, <laughs> and I had a red Saab convertible, and everything was perfect. I in my love life. those convertibles. <laughs> <I know>. Yes. <laughs> so um, I woke up one morning and I didn't feel well, and so I went to work anyway because you know God forbid you should not go to work when you're in production. And um, they sent me home. It was like, you are useless. Go home. And I thought I had the flu or something. But I started this downward spiral that was just, it was phenomenal. I mean, it was, I lost my mind, basically. I couldn't function. I couldn't remember how to get a phone to stop ringing. You know, I couldn't remember what you're supposed to do when the doorbell rang. It was just this. For how long? Two years. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
I mean, I thought it was going to be a week. Were you were you going to doctors? Like, were you nervous? Oh. You had like early dementia, or uh, yeah, I wasn't what... so nervous about it because I didn't have the brain <laughs> capacity to to know even that I should be concerned. But my husband was certainly concerned. And finally, after several months of tests and tests and tests, my doctor finally said to my husband, "You know, I don't know what's wrong with her, but I know that she doesn't have any of the things that we think." is wrong with her. You know? Right. She didn't have a brain tumor. She doesn't have MS. She doesn't have, you know, on and on and on they went. I must have had 45 different tests. And he said, I don't know what it is, but it's not going to kill her. So let's just let Good her luck. sleep. Yeah, right? I'll let her sleep. Because that's all I wanted to do was sleep. So, so you got sick. I'm just like recapping. You got sick. You got sent home. And all of a sudden, really for two years, you just wanted to sleep a lot. And when you were awake, you were kind of not functioning. Right. Okay. Exactly. But... I was dreaming a lot. And so when I was awake, I was, I couldn't, I didn't have time to write down all the dreams because I was literally sleeping 15 to 18 hours a day. Wow. And, but I would jot, I would make notes. Now, were you ever jotter for dreams before or was this something new? I had gone to a Jungian analyst a few years prior to that. Hmm. So she had gotten me into the habit of keeping a dream journal. So... It's always so interesting, yeah. like the steps that are always mm-hmm. taken before yeah. it all happens. Yeah. So were you dream journaling regularly or you just all... No, I had been so dream you were doing it. journaling pretty regularly. So that's why I was, yeah, careful to take notes on my dreams. But I couldn't remember from one day to the next what I had dreamed, right? Yeah. So then finally, uh, after a couple of years, it let up and I could start, you know, staying awake for 12 whole hours a day. <laughs> Congratulations. So, you know, my career was gone, obviously. So did you quit? I mean, you couldn't go, you literally couldn't go in. No. Wow. function. That's so interesting. Yeah. Your husband must have been freaking out. He was until the doctor told him I wasn't going to die. And then he just kind of said, I mean, this guy is such a keeper. I was going to say he's a saint because then he's like, all right, I'll take take the 18-hour-a-day sleeper home. He did. He said, if all we can do is have dinner together... For the rest of our lives, that's fine. We'll do it. Oh, <laughs> I know. Really sweet. He's great. Yeah. So, uh, where was I? So you were sleeping. And oh, you started so jotting notes, now. but you can't. Yeah. Now you're awake for <laughs> like for twelve hours. I think yeah, you said. Yeah. So, um, I started reading my dreams, or reading those notes, and I started noticing that I was having recurring dreams. But even, but you know, during those two years, I didn't know that I was having recurring dreams. So in two years, how what did recurring mean? Like how often? And when you say recurring in theme and feeling or literally the same dream? Not exactly the same dream, but here's an example. Um, there was a woman and she was kind of, she looked like a Native American elder. You know, she's kind of square. Mm-hmm. She had big black hair and she had lots, chunks of turquoise on and more rivers of velvet, you know, she was just this gorgeous uh, teacher-type woman. And she would round up women, and she would take us into a cave. And in the cave, on the walls, were drawings. And she would give us tools, sometimes, I don't know, paper and pen, or deerskin and charcoal, I don't know what it was. But she would, I'm sorry, but she would um, ask us to reproduce the drawings on the walls and then when we did that to her satisfaction she would let <laughs> so us she was tough. <laughs> she, was, yeah. 
she would let us uh, take a nap. So you, if you get to take a nap in the dream, that's your like gold star. Well, I was just going to say, that is interesting. What does sleeping in a dream mean? It's going into even a deeper level of consciousness. Wow. Yeah. So huh. as I would um, uh, lie down to take my nap, she would point out the mouth of the cave, and there would be the moon, the full moon. It's beautiful. And I would see the full moon, and then I would fall asleep, and then that would be all I could remember. Well, when I started reading my uh, journals, I realized that I had had that dream every full moon for 13 straight months. The moon was actually full. When I had that dream, I had no idea that the moon was full. But I pulled out a you know, lunar calendar because it seemed interesting that she always pointed to the full moon. And that was like a note you always made. Like it was very specific yeah, in your yeah, dream. Yeah. How yeah. can I ask a question? Like when you, especially then, were doing your notes, how detailed? Like how much were you remembering? Just a few sentences. Okay. Just you know. I think that makes everyone listening feel better because I think most people are like, ah, I wake up and it feels like it's there, and then I can like write two things. So that's okay. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this as a diversion here for a minute. A lot of times when people will come to Dream Circle, they'll say, I I only have a snippet, and they'll say like a sentence. And that will be the dream that we'll spend the most time on that night. That'll be the one that's like the richest. It just so, pulls everyone. Yeah, yeah. So you notice every month that you were getting a full moon. And so then what happened? Well, then I started noticing that there were other recurring dreams. And so I started checking them against the lunar calendar. And indeed, they always came on the same phase. You know, I had a, I had a, uh, a recurring dream of <laughs> trying to chase rabbits in the dark hmm. and that I had a teacher that was telling me to throw my eyes out of focus and just focus on the light and not the rabbit itself and chase the light. And then it turned out that I was having those dreams on the new moon when there was no moon, you know, the dark yeah, yeah. moon. So that that re- recurrence of certain dreams under certain lunar situations made me think, that's big. Right. Right. So I called a few friends together who I knew wouldn't, you know, call the guys in the white coats to <laughs> take me away. And we started charting our dreams according to the phases and the location of the moons. And it was hilarious. I mean, thinking back on it, this was in like the early nineties. You wow. know, this was before now you were very ahead. Yeah. <laughs> but this was before like computers and phones and whatever. And so we were like doing it on index cards. Oh, let me see what happens in the, you know, oh, let me, I'm, I've got some Neptune dreams over here. It was like, we Also were, like just finding the calendars <laughs> itself, right? Like now all we do is pull it up on our phones, yeah. but I'm sure for you, are you like yeah, in no, the library to, with like an almanac? <laughs> we had to go to the Bodhi tree. Oh, I go love to the that. Moon. I miss the Bodhi tree. But yeah, we, but um, still, you'd have to like physically go somewhere, open up the blank. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we had to, keep journals, you know, handwritten and look and compare and put them on the cards. And I mean, it was, you know, it was really old fashioned um, research. But we started seeing that each woman has her own pattern. It's a unique pattern. You, I can give you a template for what that pattern might look like, but each woman has certain kinds of dreams under certain circumstances. Here's another example. I had a series of violent dreams during that period of time. And I'm just one of those lucky, lucky people who I've never experienced personal violence. 
And I couldn't figure out where the information from those dreams was coming. You know, it's like I would write these stories about being raped and being beaten and thinking about if I can just live through this beating, you know, I know he'll stop. And that's just not in my consciousness to, right. to be writing that story. But when I started charting my dreams, I discovered that I had um, those dreams when I was ovulating. Hmm. So there's like something about that explosion in your body. <laughs> in your body, you know, because the womb is the is the uh, is the dreaming organ. It's the organ that is, you know, your menstrual cycles were are uh, influenced by the by the movement of the moon. So, so there. So, what would you think like if if someone came to you and was like, "I'm having these, I'm getting raped," even that blah blah blah. What would you say that mean that the significance of that dream is for them or for the greater good? Like, what would it be? And yes, it's like you could say, "Well, your body's clearly." translating that way because it's going through this but why something so violent um well you know i would if somebody came to me with a dream like that i would first ask them where they are in their menstrual cycles and you know is that a recurring thing if it doesn't have anything to do with the menstrual cycle i would say let's say for example let's look at when you had those dreams and if they were in neptune then it's entirely possible that you were tuning in to someone who's experiencing violence on your consciousness journey. Right. Because, you know, the women in the Middle East are awake when you're asleep. So that goes back to the whole idea of, which we kind of like skirted over very quickly in the beginning, which I love, which is the plane of dreaming, for lack of a better word, mm -hmm. is, like you said, source, the one I got. Now, I think the reason, and we skirted over it fast, but the reason I want to kind of like sit in it a little bit is that's a very big concept. Like it's a huge concept. And I don't think most people thought about dreaming that way. So it's, it's a chance where, or not a chance, I guess, cause you're doing it every night, but it's a chance for us to be able to translate, to be able to connect to this thing that most of us feel like is separate from us, which we're all slowly learning. No, it's part of you. You're, you're connected to it, but it's another opportunity again, whether it be meditation that you're trying to do it with, it's another opportunity to be able to connect closer to your source, yourself, the universe, and get, whether it be messages, like you said, for the universe or for yourself and your soul's purpose. Like, to me, that's a little mind-blowing, actually. And it's always happening no matter what. So basically, you go to sleep, and two things are getting worked on. Your body's getting worked on, so that's having one thing, and then separately, your consciousness is getting worked on, or your soul, I guess you could say, right? No. I want, Great, to, I want to talk about that. Yes, no, please. Soul. Um, I had an, I had, I've had a series of mystical experiences since that initial illness, and one of them was with, um, with these um, beings who said that that um, most people misunderstand what soul is. Great. And it's because people are so self-centered right I was about to say that by the way <laughs> it's like it's not my soul and your soul and her it's soul. our soul it is the soul like we're all eminent emanating from one universal field of consciousness there's no separation on soul level right so we separate it only because it appears to you that you're sitting there and I'm sitting here and so we got to have different souls right but yeah no it's not that it's it's the soul. So 
one way to refer to it is, um, I, I refer to it often as the dimension of truth. We're, that's where we're headed back to. You know, we're headed always back to the dimension of truth. And the thing that you said just now that was really interesting is, whether you know it or not, consciousness is always trying to reconnect yeah. with truth. So all the lies that you incorporate about yourself in the process of being uh, socialized, you know, like I'm not good enough or I'm not tall enough or I'm too fat or, you know, whatever, all of those lies are um, preventing you or, or at least hampering you from source. source. I know one of the things you said, the quote, which I loved, was truth, the opposite of truth is separate. Wait, opposite is separation, not a lie, right? Wait, what did, I'm like not getting it right. But you said something like truth, the opposite is separation, not a lie. That's what it is. I just put a weird, right, some sort of punctuation in there that made no sense. And I loved it because, yes, most of us are trained truth, lie, lie, truth. But I love that, no, because a lie, if you say the lie is the opposite, is basically putting a value on it again. And, and who's to say truth has many perspectives? So what you're saying or I'm saying in the way we look at the definition of truth. So I love that your definition of truth was being connected. And so the opposite of it is being separated. And I was like, oh, that is such a beautiful way of looking at truth that I, I totally agree with. And it just really, I thought, explained a lot. Like, I love that. And that's what you're saying now, too, which is you're, you get further away from truth when you're separated from source and separated from consciousness. Right. And even though we're all in it, it's like we, for some reason, with our human brains and our ego, separate ourselves from it. Right. And then the dreams are this chance where no matter what, we are connecting to it. But the more work you can do, which we can continue to talk about, to like really be able to process your dreams and understand them, you're actually bridging that gap even more. Right. Right? Yeah. And am I getting this? Yes. You're am I a good it. student? How am I doing? <laughs> yes, <you're> so good. <laughs> okay, good. You are actually, you know, realized and actualized. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I do because I, I find this so fascinating. That to me was... I mean, I knew we were going to have a great like conversation about dreams and everyone does it, but I was like, oh, holy, like, yeah, it makes sense because we, even from the egotistical point of view and the me, me, me point of view, we do always feel like there's something mystical and magical about them. So somewhere subconsciously, we do know dreams are connecting into something bigger. But like you said, it's so self-serving. Most of us haven't realized like, oh, no, what it's connecting to is huge. It's everything. I love that. Mm -hmm. And the, I think the reason that, that lots of people don't actually connect that way and don't actually allow um, the possibility that dreams are much bigger than we think they are uh, and that they're not just psychological events is because culturally it just sounds so weird. Right. You're just afraid to say that. You're just afraid to own that you actually go all the way to source every night. Well, we're also we're such an age of doing you know, I mean, yes. it's like the Piscean versus like the Aquarian. It's like we're doers, take responsibility, action, action. And it's like only now are we starting to shift into the opposite of being able to like settle and be with and let the creativity and the source and soul all take it. So I think it is interesting. You're right. So the idea of even giving that much credence to like dreams from the way we were raised would feel like just antithetical to like taking responsibility for yourself and doing. It's like you're putting 
credence into something that nobody really understands or knows. Right. It's a lot of trust in something. But now, again, when you talk about it, it's like, of course, how do you not trust the greater consciousness? Like, we should all be trusting that. That's like the one thing to trust. What if, what, yeah, what, is there, what else is there to trust? What else is there to trust? <laughs> but yet, but then in the day-to-day, it's like, how do I trust that? I don't know what the fuck it's saying. It's not talking to me. It's not telling me anything because we don't know how to listen and we don't know how to connect to it. It's, it's all so fascinating. So tell me, like, if someone could really master, is master the word? That might not even be the right word. But if someone could master understanding their dreams, tracking their dreams, and be able to connect to their dreams more and remember them, what can dreams do for someone? <laughs> yeah, see, that's, the, that's a big question that I get really often. It's like, what am I supposed to do with this information? Right. What it, what it does is it liberates you from your lies and teaches you that being is more important than doing. So everything we just talked about, I yes. love that. It, what you do is learn to be this unique configuration of energy that you are and trust that um, what you're supposed to do in the world shows up in front of you and says, do me, because you're the only one that can do me, right? Now, not everybody has the same kind of overt, obvious slap down that I did. <laughs> you know? I know, we didn't even finish it. Keep going. I love, actually, I like that your story is being told in three parts. <laughs> you know, shut up and go to sleep for a couple of years and then we'll talk, right? But then what happened? But, like you said, you started tracking your dreams and then you came out of it, but you had a couple more, like you said, you had a couple more mystical experiences, but I think they're important to talk about because it's, it gave you more information. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, well, what happened was um, at a certain point, this woman, well, I'll tell you that. So I started this dream circle. And um, a Native American teacher did come into my life. Her name's Heather Valencia. And we're going to talk more about Heather in just a minute. But she taught me um, a Toltec way of working with dreams. And so I kind of incorporated some of the things that she talk, taught me and some of the things that I learned in the dream. And I started this dream circle. And one of the, um, one of the rules when you came to my dream circle originally was you don't talk about yourself. I don't want to know who you are. I don't know what, I don't want to know what you do. I don't want to know how important you think you are. I want to hear your dream and I want to know when you were born and we'll talk, you know? So, you know, there's, I just love that. I mean, I know this is so dumb, but just like you said that I'm like, it's so true, especially with what you're saying where you connect to, it's like what you just did in that moment is got rid of every layer of separating. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. Everything like in society that we've taught makes us better, worse, equal, sideways. Yes. You get rid of right away. It's like it doesn't matter what you wear, where you shop, where you work, how much money you make. And no, I don't want to have lunch with you. And I don't want to have lunch. None of this (laughs) matters. Like, but what's so fascinating is none of that matters to actually know what the significance of this dream is. Right. Because all I'm here to do is is see you. Right. I love that. Right. Because again, and I know I'm just repeating everything you say. Sorry, audience. (laughs) But, um, Again, it goes back to the bigger totality of what these dreams really are, which is about, again, I don't want to use the word soul wrong, but about us connecting as to the bigger purpose of consciousness. Right. And so you don't need any of those details because none of that's really who you are. Those are just all the things we're putting on to get through our day-to-day life and learn our lessons and meander through this universe, but it's not our true essence. Right. So right. dreams connect to your true essence. They don't connect to this version of who you are in this lifetime. Right. Right. Ding, 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 ding. Love it. Keep going. Sorry. <laughs> I'm so, having like okay. breakthroughs here. I'm like really <laughs> excited about it. <laughs> so um, I started writing down a few 
um, guidelines, you know, for Dream Circle. Here are the rules of Dream Circle, and here's what happens when the moon's in Jupiter. I mean, the moon's aspecting Jupiter, and here's what happens, you know, here's what you can possibly look for. So I had a kind of a handbook that I gave people when they started coming to my Dream Circle. So this one woman, she was new in town, and that's all I knew. She was new in town, and we had a mutual friend. And she called and asked if she could come to my Dream Circle, and I said yes. And she came maybe four or five times. And... um and in fact, the first time you come to Dream Circle, back in those days at least, uh, you're not allowed to talk. <laughs> you have to just listen Observe. because it's a whole different way of listening. You know, it's a completely different way of listening. Oh, and also you're doing a Dream Circle here at Studio City this Saturday. So you guys, you get a chance to actually do this with Connie this Saturday. Sorry to interrupt, but I mean, it's amazing. Um, yeah, so after about four or five times, this woman came up to me and she said, this, this work is amazing. I think you should write a book. And I said, oh, I did. Here, I forgot to give you the, the handbook. Here's the handbook for Dream Circle. And she said, well, I'm a literary agent, and I think we should publish this book. Right? So that's what I mean by your doingness shows up right. to be done right in front of you. And you're like, huh. <laughs> Amazing. I, I, I could have known you for years and not known you were a literary agent because I was never going to ask you. But the work seemed like to her something she needed to help get out into the world um yeah so that's what i mean those kinds of things start happening for you the more you get rid of your need to say hi i'm connie and here's my story oh my god i had a disease in the days and in the home for me and i had to end my career and but here's the dream you know none of that story matters that doesn't matter. What happened was my doingness showed up in front of me to be done. It's such a different way to look at dreams. Because like you said, I mean... It's a different way to look at life. Life, too. But you're like you said, like what we've learned from like Freud, and yeah, it's just so different. It, yeah. it takes the psychological aspect out of it, like you said earlier. Wow. So what happened, you know, the way I describe it is that it's as if soul or life force or source comes up to you before you're born, and says, I would like to know what it feels like to be this configuration of energy. Can you do that? And you go, oh, yeah, sure, fine. And so you go be born with that configuration. configuration of energy into your family and your community and your religion or whatever it is. But what's important is the, the, you know, the unique body of energy that is you. Which you contracted and chose which is always fascinating because then we forget and then we spend our whole lifetime battling it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and being upset by a lot of things and thinking it. we're broken thinking that versus we're like no you chose this like it's okay there's like amazing things that are going to come out of it yeah yeah and so you're saying like in the beginning even in the dream is saying we're going to do this together because the dream is consciousness and it's where you played before and where you're going to play after and where you're playing during right right so didn't you have a dream that gave you, because you clearly obviously came up with the moon thing through those first rounds of dreams, but didn't you have a dream that gave you more information on how to track them even better? Or am I making that up? Mm. In the tent, in the teepee? Mm -hmm. I'm having trouble remembering it right now. It was a swirling thing that came down. <laughs> yeah, and didn't it like give you, it, like, didn't it give you like a lot of information about dreams? Mm-hmm. 
I'm sure it's in the book and I'm happy. <laughs> I love it. Right, but right. I love that though. I love that you're like, you don't remember all your dreams either. <laughs> but the point is like, since you open yourself up to this world, consciousness has spoken to, I mean, I know it's always speaking to us, but like in ways that's been very specific to helping you even broaden what you're teaching others. Right, right. And when you, when you go into a practice like this, it's like meditation too, I'm sure. I've never been um, really into a meditational practice, but you get better at it, you know? You get better at, at your dreams and better at remembering to write them down and better at being able to give them as your gift rather than say, this is my dream and what does it mean? And what, you know, Like when, when people come to my dream circle, um, we don't even read our own dreams. We bring our dreams typed up on a piece of paper and we put it in a basket and then you pull a dream. And so you get to hear your dream read back to you and nobody necessarily knows whose dream But that's it was. lovely because that probably helps a lot of people actually in the beginning too. Because And then it becomes not my dream and your dream, but the dream, you know, the whole everybody's, everybody's dream is a part of what we're studying tonight together, you know. Sorry for the interruption, and I know we've talked about it, but she has a workshop here at Studio City this Saturday, March 23rd, 7.30 p.m. She is going to lead a dream circle. You get all of her magic. She's going to go into way more detail about what the signs mean, what the planets mean. You are going to learn so much. And so if you're already obsessed with dreams or curious about it, this is where you need to be this Saturday. you guys just a quick note because we do get asked all the time what are other things we can do we have so many certifications so if you're in the area and want to come and do some live you should really check out our certifications we have our big one that is a 400 hour teacher training certification that is incredible not only if you don't want to be a teacher but if you just want to go deeper in your meditation practice where you learn about all lineages we have all the reikis one two three and master we do intuitive healing which is a longer program about learning how to read people intuitively and do readings we also have an animal communications and a self-compassion so many. My point is, check it out. There's ways to dig deeper into your practice. There's ways to get certifications. Go to denmeditation.com and take a look. I mean, what's so fascinating about it, and I do want to talk about ways people, you know, should start charting, because you were saying that there's a dream, there's consciousness, you connect to it. But depending on the moon, and I know we said this earlier, how the, the it, moon's aspecting a sign, the moon's aspecting a planet, and your cycle as a woman will depend on what types of dreams you're probably having, and you'll notice the patterns. Right. And some of the types of dreams, I mean, you've talked about everything from mundane to psychological. What are the differences when you get into, like, the telepathic, the clairvoyant, and the prophetic? Like, what are the kind of the differences between those three? Um, well, a telepathic dream is when you are dreaming something that is that exists. You've, you've hooked in in consciousness to something that exists, but it's not local to you and you can't possibly know it. And then it you find out, you know. I mean, or, or you may not, but, you know, in, within a few days you see what you dreamed and you're like, oh, oh yeah. Really? You know, or, um, you know, um, clairvoyant dreams are dreams that are um, not quite in form yet, but they're about to be in form. And prophetic dreams are dreams that are possible. They're still in the realm of probability. And they don't, you know, come forward for a while. So, you know, like, for example, I remember, this was years ago, I ran into a girlfriend at a party and I said, 
wow, I heard you got a new job. Congratulations. And I told her what the job was. And she said, yeah, no, I don't, I didn't get that job. And I'm like, oh, huh. Well, I must have dreamed it. Never mind. Because people are always willing to just discount your dreams. Right, right, right. <laughs> so that's how I keep people from thinking I'm crazy. And about three days later, she called me and she said, I got that job. And I'm like, yeah. Huh. I Congratulations. <laughs> I'm glad you got that job. And I'll tell you another one. This is, this is a clairvoyant dream. Just last week, I had a dream in which there was a Baobab, is that how you pronounce that tree? That big old tree in Africa? Oh, I know which one you're talking about. One of those big trees that keeps keeps getting bigger and bigger and dropping down more trunks. And there was a Baobab tree in my backyard. And I was like, how did that, how did you get this African tree in my backyard? It had taken over my whole backyard. And the, the garage was gone because the tree was so big. And my son was with me. Now, my son is, is 30 years old now, but he was maybe five or six or something in this dream for some reason. I'm not sure why. And he kept he keeps pulling at my my sleeve, and I'm asking the neighbors, you know, why is why, what is this border? And he's, like, pulling at my sleeve, and I'm finally, what, what, what do you want? And she, he says, there's a Boeing 737 in that tree. And I looked up, and indeed, the tree was so tall that the, plane was small I couldn't tell whether it was a toy plane or whether it was a real plane but the next day in Africa a 737 crashed oh my god right so you know you that kind of thing happens now that freaks people out and they say well what am I supposed to do with that body of information well you're supposed to know that you have connection right to what is Right. I'll tell you another really wild Please. story. These are amazing. <laughs> which is that um, the summer of 2001, I had, by then I had a pretty strong dream circle here. I had several dream circles already kind of seeded around the country. And I had a, a website because by, you know, then the internet had been invented. And uh, <laughs> people were sharing dreams on my website. So we started having these dreams, and I don't know if you've ever had one, but, you know, when you're trying to call somebody and you can't get through and whatever. Well, in these dreams, we were trying to call 911, and we couldn't get through, and the person who answered didn't speak our language, or they would put us on hold, and we would be listening to music, and it would, you know, and we were, we spent the whole summer like, oh, maybe we're not supposed to call for help anymore, because we're supposed to be our own source of, you know, trying to figure out what those dreams were. Well, September 11th came, and we're like, Oh shit! Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. There was an there was an emergency coming, and it was already in form. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was already a plan. Was probably already happening. The plan place. was happening. Yeah. There was already a, a memo on George Bush's desk that says <laughs> Osama bin Laden is planning to attack the. You know, so it was it was happening, and we were tuning into it. Now, what do you do with that? You don't call the FBI and say, hi. Right, because they think you're nuts. <laughs> My name's Connie, and I'm from California, and I'm a dreamer. No, you you know that somehow it wasn't as awful as it could have been because people with higher consciousness changed it a little bit. So let me, I have a question about that, actually. Two things. You know, when you were saying that first dream about being in the cave with the moon and it was always a group of women in there and she was teaching you. 
Is that a collective dream, meaning were those women, even if you don't know who they are, do you feel like those women were having that dream with you too? Like, are you actual women on this earth at this time having the same dream together? Yeah, I think so. I don't know them and I never will and I can't prove that, but that's what I think. So is deja vu, which a lot of us always talk about kind of like either past lives or do you think a lot of that actually might be from dreams? Mm -hmm. Like people you play with in dreams and you have no clue. So then when you see them or moments like that happens to me is like, is this another spin on deja vu that we haven't thought about? It actually comes from Mm -hmm. consciousness and then the dream world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then also on that note about like creating, it goes back to just this world being you know, another plane that you can kind of play in and create things in and practice things in and learn because it's, it's consciousness. It's a whole nother thing. And like you were saying now too, like things are already in motion. So like, you know, if it's clairvoyant, you can kind of grab onto something, but if it's like prophetic, it might not even be in motion yet, but you might be like, you said something in your book, which I thought was interesting about like the Berlin wall. Like the reason the Berlin wall came down was because people started dreaming it. So it's like, by dreaming it, you're putting the energy already out into the universe, and that energy then eventually grows and grows and grows and becomes. Just that's the same thing like in real life. Negative energy will exist and grow and grow and grow. And same thing like apartheid, I think you said, ended because people dreamt it. So what's the tipping scale to that? Like, is it like majority wins? Like how many people are dreaming it? You know what I mean? Like how does that work? What's that phrase they use? Um, critical mass? Yeah. You know, it's something like that. It's there's... It, there's um, um, right, let's take the Berlin Wall, for example. Mm-hmm. It was based on a lie. You know, the whole Berlin Wall, the whole USSR was a, a lie. It was, a, it was fake news. <laughs> right. right. It was the, the belief that lots of people had that there was this big, bad, you know, thing going on on the other side of the wall. But it was based on a lie. And so the closer you get to the dimension of truth and the more people who actually access the dimension of truth, that lie starts crumbling. So I don't know what, like how many people have to dream the dream before, before it manifests, but when it becomes sort of heavy enough, sticky enough, true, you know, true enough, um, the lies always, they always crumble. Yeah, it's interesting because like we talk about that even with ideas, like it's always in the greater consciousness and it's just who pulls it down, A, and then who pulls it down and then decides to act on it to actually make that idea happen, whether it be a business or, you know, a song or a story. It's Mm -hmm. like, you know, we always, just like you said, we all think it's me, 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 but Mm -hmm. it's never is. I always tell my husband who's a writer, I'm like, I'm telling you, you're never going to have an original idea. You think it is and you may be the first one to do it. But like you got to move, you got to act because if you're thinking it, it's there, it exists. You're just happen to be the one downloading it, Mm -hmm. but then there's more people downloading it. Now the question is who's going to actually act on it first. And so it's interesting. It's in reverse almost. It's like Mm -hmm. you're thinking it, you're dreaming it, it's in there. And now it grows up in the consciousness and in the dream world. And then it's coming back down when it's so heavy, it almost can't sit up there anymore. It like falls. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that might be another way that we um we use the vocabulary of the me 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 world i put it out in the consciousness and so therefore it's going to happen i don't think so i think it's there I think it's there and i may have tuned into it right you know so 
And, you know, it's not unusual for the same idea to pop up on different continents you know, simultaneously. It's, like, it's so much like the movie The Matrix. Like, I love it. Yes. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's like you dream and it, it's like, which one's the reality? It's all reality. It's just... The reality is where, where the attention goes. You know, and, oh, I love and it. It's we like, just got really weird and I love it. I feel like we should keep going on that. <laughs> but it well, is to, true. But it's, to get a little more, you know, like mundane and ordinary no. about it. What is it, what is it that causes trends? You know, it's like one stupid idea shows up and somehow tons of people glom onto it. And then it eventually turns out that, you know, oh, it's a lie. Never mind. You know, it just goes right. away. It's like one facial cream that's going to get rid of all your wrinkles shows up and tons of people buy it. And then the, the uh, I don't know, we, we seem to measure value by how many people are buying it. Okay, let's measure value <laughs> like this. Do you feel like now that you're connected more to consciousness this way that you actually are feel younger and look younger? <laughs> no, but honestly, like if we're going to talk about it, I bet I'm guessing there's probably power in that that way because you're connecting to soul in a way. Well, I don't know. You look great. I'll say that. Thank you. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I, uh, I know lots of elders who are dreamers. Right. So I don't know. I don't know what that is, but um, I guess what I'm saying is that the more you connect with the dimension of truth, and the more you truly understand who you are as a being, the less it matters. <laughs> yeah. The less anything like superficial. Matters. I love that we're having this conversation because that's like the whole point. <laughs> which we talk about on this podcast all the time. We talk about at the den all the time. It's really like, and the more you can get out of your own way and out of, which equals knowing that you're part of something bigger. It's not about you. Same. Like you just said, like I always tell people, like when you have an idea, it's not necessarily your idea. I say, I've said it on here before too. It's like, you're the vessel when you're doing something great. It's like you've pulled it and maybe like some, I, I feel very thankful sometimes that I get to walk this lifetime because I feel like I get to do some really cool things. But I'm thinking, like when I do it, I'm thanking the universe for allowing me to walk this lifetime. I don't feel like it's me. I feel like I'm getting the opportunity to do something that's needed to be done that would have been done no matter what, that has to be done. And hopefully, and my goal, what I'm always asking for is let me do everything I'm supposed to be doing for the universe. Like help me, because I know I'm not. Like I know I'm stuck sometimes in my own ego mind because most of us are and like that's what we're working on so it's like how can we fully pull that down so we are connecting to source and you know it's just so much more beautiful that way one of the other um, uh, books that I've written and, and uh, things that I teach is called The Invisible Garment mm -hmm. and in the mystical experience that I had when I learned about the invisible garment, I was shown that we have all of these humans have all of these things that we think life is all about. We think it's about doing something. We think it's about accomplishing something. We think it's about learning lessons. That's one of the new agey favorite things to say is this is a school uh, or, and the soul needs to learn lessons. Yeah, no, the soul doesn't need anything. Oh, I like that spin. <laughs> no, the soul doesn't need anything from you. Right. You, you need the soul. Yes. But um, 
what 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 this body of information says is, uh, no, you're here to deliver a gift. The gift is something that it's that conversation that I said earlier. Life force said, I want to feel what it feels like to be this unique configuration of energy. Do it, and so what you're here to do is be this configuration of energy in behalf of soul. So delivering that gift by just being it. So can that also be like being a rapist and a murderer? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm of two minds about that. One is, no, I think that generally you would be a rapist and a murderer because of the lies you live in that have blocked you from being in true connection. Uh, how can you, how can you separate yourself in that way? You know, if you're actually connected. The other is, I'm, I, I don't know whether life force judges the way religions have decided that God judges us for doing right. stuff like that. So, I think our job is to simply be as best we can what we are, and to the extent that we can reach out to others and help them be who they are, then that's really what, we, what we're here to do. That's so beautiful. So really quickly, because I'm taking up so much of your time, um, what are small, th- obviously, is there something out there that is already kind of done, that all, like a chart that has the calendar for, let's say, 2019, that is where the moon, what the moon's aspecting planet-wise and zodiac-wise, and then the only thing someone has to fill out if they want to do a journal is their own cycle, if they're a woman, and then what their dream is. Mm-hmm. Does that exist somewhere? Well, there's certainly lots of, of lunar calendars that you can buy. Right. Yeah. But they don't have, do they have the astrological, do they have both of those things on them together usually? Yeah, yeah they yeah. do. That's yeah. how little I know. <laughs> yeah, that exists. I also um, have a lunar calendar dream, um, dream journal on my website that you, can, you Amazing. can subscribe to on my website. So you go to the day that you had the dream. The lunar information is there. You click on a little button and you type your dream in. That's perfect. That's what I was asking. And the advantage of You need to get better at selling right away. (laughs) (laughs) That should have been your (laughs) go-to. That's what everybody tells me. You're a terrible salesman. Um, The advantage of doing that is that now it's like five years later, you know, and you've typed in all these dreams and you want to know all the full moon dreams I've had in the last five years. So you go to the little search window and type in full moon and... Oh, your full moon. Oh my God, I'm going to start doing that. Okay, good. That's so good. No, I'm going to, because it's funny. It's recently I've had, I feel like very vivid dreams. And I laughed this morning when I woke up because I was like, you need to start writing these down because I knew I was even meeting with you. And then I like, of course, got sidetracked and I have a like young daughter. And then I started trying to think about it again this morning. And of course, like you've said before, like half of that dream's gone already. Like mm-hmm. some of those, mm-hmm. and I was like really sitting there. I'm like, how can I already not remember so much of it? When I woke up, it was so much more vivid. You really do have to write it down right away. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, or, you know, you youngins that are yeah, better at, me. at Nicole, let's all look at Nicole <laughs> and say that. <laughs> you can just put it in your phone. Right. And type it in to your journal later. Yes. That's you a great idea. You can put it in your phone while you're you sitting know. in bed. Mm-hmm. That's a great idea. 
So but that's good. This, that's a huge tip for everyone listening because I'm sure a lot of people who are listening are like, I want to start doing this. I want to start tracking. But it seems a little overwhelming to put all that information together. But you've already done the hard work. So go to her website, do the dream journal, and then you're on your way. And let's right. see what happens to all of us. Right, right. Connect to source. It's so beautiful. Thank you for this conversation. Let's, let's do your four yous before we leave everyone. And then we'll do your personal practice. What is your favorite book? Oh, my favorite book for dreaming is a book called The Kin of Atta Are Waiting for You. Atta, A-T-A, The Kin, K-I-N, The Kin of Atta Are Waiting for You. It's by, I think her name is Dorothy Bryant. I'm pretty sure that's her name. It's a very short book. It's probably 90 pages. But it's a dream story that is so magnificent that you just, I, I read it once a year. It's, you know, it's just, I can't recommend it more highly. I have a question that I forgot to ask based on that. Can you, We I heard somewhere that in dreams, this is how you know the difference of not being in your dream and being in it is that you actually can't read in dreams or maybe write, but definitely read. Hmm, I never heard that. I don't know. Like when you think back, were you ever like reading... I, I don't remember ever reading in my dreams. That's interesting. Who told you that? It was like, honestly, weirdly, my boyfriend who's not connected to this world at all. <laughs> and I don't know where, I should ask him where he heard it from more. But like, I've, I've now been curious. And he didn't come up with it himself. He heard it somewhere. But it's so funny. Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go home and type in read in yeah. my little search window. Will you let us know? And see if I've come up with any dreams where I've read something. Let I us know. We'll, we'll add it in, please. Okay. Okay, your favorite documentary or movie? Well, right now, it's going to be a hard, hard decision between RBG mm, so and uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor. Oh, those are both so good. <laughs> I mean, Won't You Be My Neighbor, I looked at my husband and I said, I, I never see a film that makes me want to be a better person. This one really makes me want to he be a He was really person. special. He was. Really special. Those are two great, great docs. Um do you journal? I'm sure I know this answer, but do you journal or have any other daily practice? I do journal, uh, but mostly I just just write down my dreams. I don't go into uh, great detail about what's going on in my head and what's going on in my, you know, what I think I should be doing or whatever. I have a real quick funny story to tell you about that. For a long time I did. I journal, 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 journal. So... A few years ago, we sold our house. We had been living in Santa Monica for 27 years, and we sold our house, and we kind of migrated around for a while. Uh, and each time we moved, we moved six times in four years, trying to decide you know, exactly where to be. And each time we moved, I downsized a little bit more to the point that I am you know, just like the super minimalist now. Amazing. And my daughter was over recently, and she was looking in some cupboards for some old pictures and stuff, and she opened the cupboard and there were tons of books in there and she's like what are these and I said these are my journals and she said you moved six times in these last six years and you didn't you drug these journals around and I'm like yeah and she said you know what my brother and I don't really need to read your journals so sometime between now and when you die <laughs> get rid of them <laughs> and so I did I went through I went back and I read them all and I was like she's right there's nothing there's nothing so profound about journal keeping for me right. anymore. So interesting. I got rid of all my journals. Um, was that hard for you or no? No. Interesting. First thing you do when you wake up, write your dream down. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a little pad just by your? Mm, no, I write it down on my in my computer. So I, you know, I take care of my 
bathroom chores and then I get my coffee and then I run. Oh, so you actually like give it some time. Mm-hmm. It's not like immediate, immediate. No, and, but I don't have trouble remembering for anymore. That's like yeah. a muscle that's just gotten much stronger for yeah, you. Yeah. So for most of us, we should probably do it right away. Yeah. Until it becomes a real habit. Yeah. It's so interesting talking when I was a kid, I used to have a really kind of scary, sad, recurring dream. And now I'm like so annoyed I didn't have these tools because now that we're talking, I'm like, oh God, I'm sure it probably fell at exactly the same time. Mm-hmm. I, I think it was before, well, this is interesting. I think they started before I ever like was on a cycle. Like I think it was before I was like mm-hmm. I was younger. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. what does that matter? Like how does that? No, I mean, boys dream. Yeah. Oh, I was going to ask you that. Let's talk about that really quickly and then I'll let you go. You do say, though, dreams are different for boys and girls. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, I think it's just the way that the um, feminine mind works versus the, the masculine mind. The feminine mind is, is a little more, you know, circular and spirally and in, inclusive, and um, the masculine mind is, is a little bit more uh, projectile. So is it more so than based on like... I thought that was funny. Just, <laughs> it is funny. <laughs> no pun intended. So based on like energy, is it more based on masculine and feminine energy or like physical? So for instance, like transgender, are they... Gosh, that's interesting. Now, I've I've had a few transgender clients, but I haven't actually ask. thought about trying to decipher whether their dreams are masculine or feminine. You know what I mean? I'd be curious yeah, to yeah. know... Is it just based on like the energy you feel like you embody more or is it the physical body that you're born with or is it whatever physical body you embody at that moment? I think that the actual experience of the dream is probably no different. It's probably not a gender It's more the translation. But it's the way you write the story that's different. And so... And it's probably an energy thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I would go so far as to say a person who was born in a male body but is a, is a female... Uh, probably writes like a, a a more feminine type dream, but I don't know that. I'm this has been so fascinating. I, I'm sure the audience is as fascinated as I've been. Thank you for your time, and I cannot wait for your dream circle, and I can't wait to have you do more stuff here because it is. And again, there's another quote I didn't talk about, but I want to read, and I won't butcher it as much as I butchered the first one, or maybe I will. I shouldn't say nothing until I do it. Where you said a spiritual practice is our rudder as we sail through life. And I love that so much. And I love that we talked so much. This is all about spirituality and dreams connect to spirituality. But I love the idea of practice. Do your spiritual practice, whatever that is for you, whether it is connecting to your dreams or meditating, it's like that will guide you through life and it should come first. And the rest is what falls in place afterwards. Right. And I think spiritual practice is, um, it is group work. We like to think it's private, separate, but it's, it is group work, and that's one of the powers of, of having dreaming being your spiritual practice is that when you meet in your dream circle, you, you grow each other. You, know? you, you help each other el- eliminate the lies, and you grow together. And um, So that's a, that's a big part of this practice is not interpreting your own dreams, taking them to your circle. Thank you so much. And her personal practice, so stay tuned, is going to be something you can do to actually help you connect to your dreams even better. Mm-hmm. Thank you. We'll see my you pleasure. next week. Thank you for inviting me. Oh, my God, of course. So now Connie's going to do her personal practice, and she's going to share Heather's dream pillow, which is something everyone can do to help them connect to their dreams even better. 
So this is a recipe for creating a little pillow. And um, the reason I call it Heather's Dream Pillow is because it was uh, given to me by Heather Valencia, the dream teacher that I mentioned in the uh, podcast. Um, You take these herbs and you wrap them in a little, um, you know, you create a little pillow thing. It doesn't need to be more than about two or three inches square because the combination of these herbs creates a memory track for you. So, you know, the smell thing bypasses your brain and goes straight to your um, central nervous system. So when you are dreaming, if that pillow is nearby, you have that smell that you're perceiving even though you're asleep. So the next morning then when you're trying to remember the dream, if you smell that pillow again, it'll take you back to that place in consciousness where you were when you had the dream. So it's very helpful in remembering your dreams. And it's also just incredibly fun because it is so Harry Potter. I mean, listen to this. Mugwort, wormwood, blue vervain, hyssop, mandrake, chaparral, yarrow, catnip, cumin, buchu leaves, and rock salt. I mean, doesn't that just sound like something that you would learn in a, um, you know, a magic class at um, Hogwarts? So you take pretty much equal parts of it and you put it in a little pillow, pen that pillow to your sleeping pillow so that it's the fragrance is always there when you're having your dream. And then the next morning when you're trying to remember the dream, pick it up and smell it and it'll help you. Den Talks podcast would not exist without these incredible people, Nicole Rappi, Reem Edon, Hayden Fungheiser, Kim Bielek, and music by Alex Fetter. Thanks for joining us. If you haven't subscribed, please do. And also wherever you listen, please go and leave us a review. It's so greatly appreciated. It really does help us out. If you want to keep talking about all this stuff, please join our community on our secret Facebook page. Go to Facebook, search Den Talks Podcast, and join us there.